Welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. I'm Christopher Krellen, CEO of the American Influencer Association. We're excited to have pop star and podcast host Lance Bass on today's show. Lance talks about the early days in NSYNC, publicly coming out, and starting a family with his husband, Michael. And now, here's our host, Josh Skinner. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. We have a very special guest on today's show. His name is Lance Bass. Hey, Lance. Well, how's it going, my man? It's going great. Uh, How's your summer? Uh, I mean, has there been a summer? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think we're stuck in March. (laughs) I feel like, no, I feel like we've just been on the longest Christmas uh, vacation ever. Have you had any cool experiences over the summer to help time pass? Um, yeah, I mean, we, work has been nuts. I mean, since we've been locked down, uh, you know, I thought everything was going to shut down uh, for entertainment, of course. But uh, the development uh, just really started cranking up heavy during you know all this downtime. So, you know, that's been great. So I've just been really focused on work and my, uh, my own podcast. Yeah, congratulations. You're the host of the Daily Popcast, which, by the way, I just heard your Emmy uh, special. Congratulations. Really fun to listen to. Um, How's that experience been to create something that's your own? I mean, it's been great. And there's there's no better better platform than, you know, radio. Um, I just I love it. And I, you know, I was at Sirius XM for five years and had my my own show called uh, uh, Dirty Pop. Uh, and then I left Sirius XM and I was like, ah, sorry, I don't have the time for this anymore. Um, but then, uh, got really itchy to try to, to get back in front of that microphone. So we started a podcast back in October, uh, called the daily podcast where we get to go over, you know, the latest entertainment news of the day and interview some really great people. Do you have any favorites so far? Hmm. Today we just did Danny Trejo, which I just think his. His story is just so fascinating. And people that don't know Danny, uh, you would definitely know him if you saw him. He's a character actor that's been in everything from, you know, Dust to Dawn to uh, Runaway, Tramming, Spy Kids, you name He's been in everything. Um, and, he, and he, you know, was in prison forever. And, I mean, he just really turned his life around and became this really great, you know, A-list actor. And he also makes great tacos. Uh, amazing tacos and amazing donuts. I've been okay. So tell me about the donuts because I've I've driven uh, by it in Hollywood, but I've always uh, wondered. <laughs> Trejo donuts are the best donuts in LA. It is it is so damn good. He just because we are interviewing today, so he sent us tacos and donuts. <gasps> so we're eating them, and I mean they are the best things. There's one that has fruity pebbles on top. So good. Oh, I love that. A good throwback. You know, Lance, Lance, you've had an incredible career. You've been a New York Times bestselling author. You've you've produced films, television. Uh, what's been the moment where you really thought, hey, I'm really influential? <laughs> um, I don't know if I've ever really had that thought. Uh, I mean, I know as, you know, when we were in sync, it was very, you know, you knew the influence you had because, you know, being on stage, you could get, an audience of 40,000 people, you know, to do one thing. And that, that power that you felt was like, Whoa, like no teenager should have that power on earth to be able to, you know, to command something like that. Um, so I knew that, you know, we were influential in that way. Um, but I guess as far as just, you know, being an influencer in life, when I finally came out of the closet, I think that was like the big, 
the big aha moment for me, like, oh, wow, like, you know, me just telling my story influences other people's lives to better themselves. And that just, uh, that was, you know, very nice to realize. You received the Human Rights Campaign's Visibility Award, which is the complete opposite of being in the closet. And you went through two very different circumstances in a very short time. Can you tell me about that? Yes. Uh, it was in a, a period of just a few months from going from a closeted pop star to, you know, out and proud on the cover of People magazine. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a whirlwind. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I wasn't even planning on really telling the world about myself because, one, I didn't think people cared at that point. Um, and I was just living my life. I was already on boyfriend number three, so I just didn't think you know my friends knew, my family knew, but I just didn't think it was anything that I had to say publicly. But uh, you know, I did, and it became a bigger story than I ever thought, but it really it changed my whole life um, you know, for the better, and I could not be happier. What moment in your career are you the most proud of? Oof. I mean, we had some really great moments with NSYNC, and it's hard to choose, you know, one particular moment. But, uh, you know, one of my favorite moments is definitely performing at the Super Bowl with Aerosmith. And not only because it was Super Bowl and I loved, you know, NFL, but Aerosmith's my favorite band. So putting together, you know, football and Aerosmith was kind of like a dream come true. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Is there a specific moment where you felt like, okay, we've made it, we can take a breath? Uh, yes, we had had a couple of those moments. Um, you know, when we started, we started in 95 and, you know, it took us years to kind of break through and we were always, you know, compared to other groups and, you know, so it, it wasn't kind of a runaway success like it, it seemed to a lot of people. Uh, and we started over in Germany for, you know, a couple of years before we even came to America. So, you know, we'd go to Europe and we were the Beatles and then we'd come to America and no one, you know, even cared at all. <laughs> like we, we hadn't even had music released yet. So um, it was weird to go from the crazy European experience to just going back home to America and having two different lives. Yet yeah, it's like a double life you lived. Um, so it took us a while to hit in America, but the first time that I realized we had finally made it in America was doing the Rosie O'Donnell show because that was like the biggest show to do. And I was like, if Rosie has us on, then I know that we are part of pop culture. And it took her forever to invite us on her show. So I didn't think we were cool enough until we got on her show. Um, and then another big moment was at the uh, MTV Awards. I think it was like 2000 or 2001. And it was just one of those moments where you know, every artist dreams of being that MTV artist that, you know, wins the most awards and gets the most nominations and they just kind of own the show. Um, and, and at that point, we hadn't really done many award shows and all that. But for some reason that year with Bye 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 and all that, it just it swept at the awards. And it was just the strangest feeling to know that everyone was honoring your music that you've been working on for so long. And so we all kind of got in a huddle backstage and you know, we're like looking at each other like, holy crap, like this is like, this is crazy. Like, look where we are now. Like, do we ever think we would get to this point? So that was the, I think the first time that we all kind of realized like, crap, we're doing something special. And um, we didn't have social media back then. So how did your fans reach out to you? Oh, it's all about AOL back in the day, you know? <laughs> you know, it's, um, I'm glad there was no social media because um, one, we probably would have gotten a lot of trouble uh, and that would have been good because, you know, teenagers can't be trusted with social media. Um, 
but you know i i i also enjoyed you know the fact that back then there weren't that many outlets to you know hear your music or to watch your music uh like everyone had to be you know after school had to trl to watch what the top 10 was there was no other platform at all so i felt like the whole music world as, as the fandom was together in it together um so i did like that aspect and yes those aol chat rooms were the best way to keep in touch with your with your fans um, I had an interview a few weeks ago with Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees, yeah. and um, he was telling me that the fans used to write hate mail. That's how he heard from the haters. If they didn't like something they were wearing, or, or do, uh-huh. did you guys ever receive like hate mail from your fans as well if you did something you didn't like? <laughs> no, unfortunately, we never really got to see our fan mail. That was probably sent some to a record label or something. But, uh, you know, we would get the ones that fans would hand us. Okay. Um, but I don't know. None of them were any negative. That was good. You know, but we were known for our style, that's for sure. <laughs> You've been very transparent since 2006, and recently uh, you you uh, have shared your struggle with you and your husband to uh, have a family. And I was just wondering, is it hard to share, uh, you know, surrogacy with the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely hard. You know, when, when we started the whole process, uh, you know, over three years ago, we've been really trying to have a family. Um, we wanted to be very transparent because we know that IVF and surrogacy is, it, is still at that time, especially it was still a taboo thing to talk about, especially for straight couples. Um, and I just felt that, you know, there needs to be a, a story out there where people can kind of follow and see how this all works because we're learning just as much as anyone else is learning. Um, so we were very open from the very beginning of, you know, our, our process and, you know, how many donors we're getting through and we'd always update everyone. Um, but now it's been, you know, a couple of years and we're still having a problem getting pregnant and it's been, you know, it's been rough and we stopped sharing too much about it because I don't want to discourage anyone, you know, from doing this because we know how successful this can be. And we know that, you know, we just have a lot of bad luck, uh, but we didn't want this to discourage anyone from going through this. Or maybe it's going to help them through the struggle if they're struggling just like you. Yeah, yeah. But that's also nice to know too, because of course, until you know, we lost, uh, we lost, you know, two a year ago, and uh, it, the pregnancy only went about seven weeks. Um, but after t- sharing that story, all your friends that went through the same thing, they start sharing their stories, and then you realize that I would say ninety nine percent of everyone I've known that went through IVF it failed the first time like and everyone was sharing their story so you def- you definitely felt you know you weren't alone anymore for those listening who are having a struggle to ha- to have a family or those that are listening they're just having a struggle in period what would you say to them um you know what just keep going uh you know fate brings you what you're supposed to have and and we've always known that from day 1 if if it doesn't you know pan out that we can have our own kids you know, we have a backup plan. We're going straight to adoption. You know, we want to adopt anyway. Um, so, you know, life, life goes on. It's sometimes you can't plan exactly how it's supposed to be, but, you know, accept what the universe gives you and know that the universe only gives you what you're supposed to have. I like that. That's really encouraging. You know, speaking of kids, um, I actually met you in 2006. My, my first job in Hollywood, was working at the Disneyland Resort, and um, I was a contracted actor. And whenever you were on property, every stage 
person knew that Lance Bass was there. You had this reputation <laughs> of just being the kindest, and I had never really oh. run into the Lance Bass machine. Be- mm-hmm. And um, one day I was breaking with the princesses, and I just will tell this really fast. And there was five Disney princesses, but we were waiting for Belle to come back in. And suddenly Belle came in tripping over her yellow dress saying, he's here, he's cute, he's hot, and he's nice. And no jokes, Snow White <laughs> said, who? <laughs> and she goes, it's Lance. And then five Disney princesses ran out of the break room, and they just clobbered your table at Ariel's Grotto. So I just want you to know, um, I witnessed I re- it. <laughs> I remember that day because I, I had my niece with me. Yeah. 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 Um, so I watched from uh, the the background, but I just you were so kind to these five Disney princesses who just talked about it for days. So I just uh, <laughs> uh, I just had to share that. But uh, two years later, I met you at Dancing with the Stars uh, through Sarah Lumholt. I was writing her uh, uh, US her US debut album, and uh, yeah. you invited her to the show. So you're very kind then as well. But I want to know what's going on now. What's uh, what's next for you, Lance? Oh, there's so much. It, 2020 was going to be such an incredible year. <laughs> like it was nuts. We, uh, you know, I had films coming out. I had TV shows coming out. I was launching a music festival with Sir Richard Branson in June. Um, I mean, there was. I'm releasing a QVC line um, in March. Uh, you know, just a lot of things we've been working on for years were finally coming to fruition in 2020. So we were always kind of looking forward to this year and you know, having the dreams that everything that we're working on is, you know, going to be successful. Um, and then of course COVID happens and just destroys all of that. Um, so, you know, we're still rolling out a lot of my different projects, but it'll, you know, a lot are delayed. My QVC line probably won't come out until, you know, winter now. Um, I have a, a mixers line coming out that was supposed to come out last month, but now we're rebranding that and have to come out probably this winter. Um, and then hopefully we'll be shooting, uh, this film that I'm doing with Sony TriStar, uh, by winter also. So hopefully winter, my, my fingers are crossed that winter is going to let us, you know, do a lot of the things that we've been missing. I, it's, it sounds like you are very, very busy. Do you have any yeah. uh, messages to your NSYNC fans who have kind of grown up with you? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love our fans. I mean, they, we have a special bond with our fans because, you know, when we first started and I'll never forget October 1st, 1995, we all lived in a house in Orlando together. We were stupid little kids, you know, uh, Justin and JC had just gotten off the Mickey mouse club. So we had, we had this kind of core group of Disney, uh, Mickey mouse club fans that, you know, supported us from day one. Um, and we had a hotline that you could call and if call our house and we would sit there talking to fans for hours on the phone and wait, and what? it really made it. Oh yeah. What you, oh yeah. It, the hotline was, how did you do that? It was just, it just showed up in your house. No, we just had, they, we just gave our home line out to people. And oh my God. so, and, and one of those people that would call would be Gabourey Sidibe. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of our first fans. So that really kind of bonded us with our fans and we, you know, it's we're after obviously, you know, we were young and we were going to have a young market and teenage fans are completely different from any other kind of fans. So, you know, we kind of grew up together and I feel like we're still growing up together, even with my podcast and everything I do. You know, I see I see some of the same people I've seen the last 25 years and we just get older. And now we have, you know, everyone has kids and it's just funny to see everyone start adulting because, I don't know. I still feel like I'm that 16 year old kid <laughs> that started with NSYNC. Is there anybody now at your age that you really look up to who's influential at 
you know, Lance Bass over the age of 30? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I have my favorite people like Garth Brooks is one of my favorite. I just think he's such a stand up guy. He, you know, always does the right thing and he's just super talented. And the reason that I wanted to perform in the first place is when I saw him perform. Um, mm. so I, you know, I definitely respect him a lot. That's, that's, and he's continuing, like, he's amazing even today and what he's oh, producing yeah. and just how he conducts himself. He's a, he's a class act. Yeah. Totally. Well, sir, if we want to direct all of our influencers and fans to you, where should they go? Well, I'm very easy. You can find me at Lance Bass on all media platforms. Um, I'm better at Instagram. You know, I, I, I do, I go on Facebook a good bit, uh, especially for my, my podcast. Um, so you can follow me at Lance Bass everywhere or just follow the podcast. Uh, it's at the daily podcast. Awesome. And I'm going to end with one fan question. I got this multiple times, 25 years later, what is your favorite song to sing in NSYNC? Oh, um, the sad thing is I barely remember a lot of the words to the songs because I, I couldn't, so I couldn't fully sing the full song, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I'm, you know, it tearing up my heart definitely has a, a big place in my heart. It's one of my, you know, favorites. Uh, but then ultimately, there's a song uh, uh, that we sing as an acapella that is just my favorite to sing, and it's uh, called "I Thought She Knew." Hmm. And it was our our very first acapella we ever learned, original acapella, and uh, we put it on our No Strings Attached album. And it was, I mean, it's just such a meaningful song. That's a Gorgeous song, Lance. Gorgeous yeah, song. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, sir, it's so nice to uh, talk to you 14, 15 years later. <laughs> I know, I know. Good to catch up, my man. <laughs> Good to catch up. And uh, uh, listeners, don't forget to check out Lance on Instagram and all the social media outlets at Lance Bass. And Lance, I, we, we look forward to all the great things that are coming this way, especially your QVC line. That sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's with my mom, too. So it'll be a nice little southern family line. Oh, can you give us any <laughs> hints at all? Yeah, it's, it's home stuff. So we're starting off with food because me and my mom are known for our cooking and we did a Fox show together. So that's how it all got you know uh, started. So we're doing like casseroles and all these desserts. And then, of course, we go into kitchen stuff and bed stuff, you know. So, you know, we're hopefully going to have an empire one day. Watch out, Martha Stewart. <laughs> Uh, my mom would kill me if I didn't ask, what is your favorite dish to make with your mom? Ooh, um, oh my gosh. Dessert wise, key lime pie. Cause my mom makes the best key lime pie ever. Um, and then one of my favorite dishes to make is uh, gumbo. I, I make a mean gumbo. Oh, I love that. Well, I, yeah. well, I look forward to tasting it one day. Lance Bass, Heck thank yeah. you so much for being on our show. And I just, uh, you know, meeting you a few times and just talking to you now, you've always just been so kind and such a pleasure. And uh, oftentimes in Hollywood, you don't always experience that. So I just want to say thank you so much for being a good guy. <laughs> well, you can thank my parents for that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. And the good Lord above. All right. Well, Lance, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for being on American right. Influencer Real Talk. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Lance Bass. We hope this episode has inspired you. You can keep up with our latest episode of our podcast by visiting us at AIAawards.com and by subscribing to our show on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at AIA Real Talk Podcast. That's AIA Real Talk Podcast. The American Influencer Real Talk is produced by Christopher Krellen, Bethany Krellen, Josh Skinner, and it's edited by our friends at Lasting Media. 
original music composed by at Joshua Hendricks Music. And now, here's our CMO, Bethany Krellen. Thank you for listening to the American Influencer Real Talk. We hope you enjoyed. We are so passionate about all of you, our fans. We want you to be part of the AIA family. You can check out our beauty bundle, which supports our influencer community at AIAawards.com. Want to be a guest on The Real Talk? Send us a message on social. We can't wait to stay connected with you all and don't miss the next episode next week.